I'm Jay Novella, and you're listening to the European Skeptics Podcast, the real ESP experience. You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode 136. I am your host, Pontus Berkman, and joining me for the show are actually nobody. I'm here on my own. Because, as you know, uh, my co-hosts, they tend to travel a lot. And uh, there's, uh, well, we just couldn't get this interview episode going with all of the three of us. So I decided to take a hit for the team and volunteered to do that. Uh, well, I'm just kidding. This was a pleasure. The one we are talking with today is Jay Novella, uh, famous, of course, from the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe or the SGU, one of the most, well, actually, I would say the most famous skeptical podcast there is. They've been going for, I think, 13 years or so. And of course, people who listen to this show knows that uh, the whole SGU crew, including George Rob, who is not actually part of that podcast, but very closely affiliated. He has his own podcast, yada, yada, you know all that. They are all coming to uh, Manchester in October for the QED conference, which starts officially it's the 13th to the 14th of October. There are also some pre-events starting already on Thursday, the 11th of October. Uh, but more about that on uh, the actual interview. So let's get right to it. Uh, here's my interview with Jay Novella. Today we talk to Jay Novella, one of the hosts of the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe podcast, something I think everybody listening to this show is very well aware of. The SGU is, of course, the most popular skeptic podcast there is. Uh, also want to point out that Jay was one of our first guests, one back in uh, episode 8, that was in 2016, when he was here visiting, uh, well, he, you were here on business, really, uh, yeah. and we caught you. We got a, a special skeptics in the pub appearance with you. That was great. So, Jay, welcome back to the show. Great, yeah. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me, and uh, good to talk to you again, Pontus. Yeah, great. Uh, so, uh, how are things? What's happening? What's happened since 2016? Well, yeah, you could give me the <laughs> short, short version. Uh, <laughs> Things are good. Uh, you know, my, my personal life, you know, I have two kids and um, I'm happily married. And that's, you know, as any parent will know, that's a ton of work. <laughs> um, but that's, it's, it's so much fun having a family. And, you know, my son is like a carbon copy of me and he's fascinated by everything that I have in my office. Mm -hmm. And uh, every once in a while I catch him like swiping something out of my office and he'll play with it in his room. And I, then I'll walk in and I'll be like, what is my phaser doing on the floor in your bedroom? You know, have one of those moments, but I don't get mad at him. I, I, I am proud of him yeah. for, for needing to play with those things. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, SGU wise, um, things are going you know, really well. So, you know, we finished the book and the book is, uh, is at the 98% 
complete phase right now. You know, we're waiting for um, literally like the final, final version. It's going to go to print pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah, that was my first question, really. Uh, I've already pre-ordered two copies. I want it as a physical copy and also as an ebook. So uh, tell us about the book. What's in it and why should you buy it? <laughs> Give us the sales pitch. Well, you know, we always said that The Demon Haunted World by Carl Sagan was um, was the book that we, we pushed as many people to as we could because it was a, a very, very good treatment on critical thinking. And of course, you know, Carl gave a fantastic... Um, you know, there was a story involved as well. Like he was, he talked a, lo- a lot about his personal experience. And, you know, we all did notice, especially over the last 15 years, that the book got a little dated, meaning that skepticism and critical thinking have actually evolved since Carl wrote the sure. book. You know, how many yeah. years ago was that now? We're going back yeah. 40 years when, you yeah. know, when he wrote the book. And we had been wanting to write a book for a long time. And then finally, we got contacted by a publisher and, you know, without getting into all the rigmarole, like because we didn't end up going with that publisher, but we got an agent and we went with a, uh, a a better publishing company. We ended up securing um, the, this this entire book deal, and you know, our pitch to them about what we wanted the book to be about was definitely um, you know how to have a critical mind and how to to sift through all the false information. And that really, I think, was what helped us sell the book when we were talking about misinformation and false information. The, the publisher, I think, realized, you know what, you know, this is a great idea because there's so much, you know, alternate facts out there today, yeah. as we're all, all aware of, especially in the United States, you know, for the last couple of years. Oh, we, ha- we have it over here as well, but... Yeah, we're getting a heavy dose of it over here, though. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's been really, it's been really bad. It's been very difficult uh, to yeah. be a skeptic and to watch, you know, whatever, you know where I'm getting at. Absolutely. So bottom line is that... I think resonated with the publisher and we ended up securing a much better book deal. And, you know, we were telling them that we have audiences all over the world and we, you know, we really want to get it interpreted into as many languages as possible. Um, And that it's been going great. We've been very fortunate. Our publisher has been finding other markets for us. So we're, we're scattered over the globe right now where the book is going to be actually sold. Um, And it's going to be translated into several languages and we're still pushing but I know what's happening now is the publisher, we're so close to the launch date that the publisher is just waiting to see what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, how big of an opening week do we have? Um, I think that that dictates a lot on how much money they put back into the book, even mm-hmm. after it's, it's in the bookstores. So, you know, we're trying the best that we can to make sure people know that it's out there. You know, buy 10 copies for everyone that they know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll do that. And, you know, we, in the book, we cover... What we think are the essential pieces of information that a critical thinker needs. So I'd say almost everything has a representation in the book. You know, we talk about a lot of things that people have heard before. You know, we talk about hypnagogia. We talk about, um, you know, the tricks that your mind plays on you. Mm -hmm. We talk about heuristics. We talk about, you know, what you can do to be a better critical thinker by using examples. And, you know, there's so many things that a critical thinker needs. And if you do this for years and you read and you listen to podcasts, you know, you can review your own knowledge and go back and say, wow, five years ago, I didn't know anything compared to what I know now. Because the jigsaw puzzle, it continues to weave together. And I think, you know, for all of us, we've had, we've been all working on our skeptical chops for so long that in a sense, the idea of, of the chapters in the book came very easy. The hard part 
was figuring out in what order they need to go in. So there's a building, you know, you can't yeah. just start talking to someone about advanced logic. You know, you have to, you have to yeah. go back to the basics and also talk about things that they can relate to. And then Steve had the, the Herculean job of putting everything that had been already written into his own voice. Mm. And that took a very long time. Uh, you know, then, then going through the editorial process and everything. But, you know, what we have now is we have an amazingly detailed catalog of what we think any critical thinker or anybody that, that wants to learn about how their brain works and how to not be fooled by their own, uh, you know, the, the wiring that they have and to sift through all the fake news that's out there. You know, it turns out that skepticism is an unbelievably good tool for these things. <laughs> right? I mean, it's... You <laughs> would guessed. Yeah, like this is what we've been saying all along, guys. Yeah. You know, so so I, I think um, I think we paid very close attention to, to to making it as easy to read as possible, so it's accessible to all age ranges. You know, I think a thirteen year old could read this book and get most of it. But there's something in there for everyone. You know, we also realized that a lot of people are going to buy it, like you, who are experienced and know what they're doing. So we tried to to cover a lot of material that we don't cover on the podcast simply because we can go into more depth in a book than we can yeah, uh, yeah. on the show. And it's not just for, for f- beginners, if you will. It's also for, for experienced skeptics will have uh, something f- from this book as well. Is that right? Yeah, think about it like this. Part of, part of you know, dealing with your mind is you don't know what you don't know. It's very, very rare that we're like, hey, I, I have massive gaps in knowledge here, there, and other places. Like when we were doing the research for the book, it was it amazed me that I've been doing this for 30 years at this point. And there were gaps in my knowledge in places that I'm even moderately embarrassed about where I'm like, hey, I didn't mm. really know the backstory on that or the details about why that works that way. Or, you know, it's it's that type of thing. So I think for people like you and I who have been doing this and who are well-read in, in critical thinking – what you'll find is that you'll find those holes in your in your knowledge base that you just weren't aware were there. Hmm. So I, I think a lot of people will appreciate the fact that we're going to fill in a lot of gaps that we all have. Yeah. Now, now I think you said once, or somebody else, I think it was you who said that you need to be humble as a skeptic. You know, you should know that you don't know everything just because you 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 think you figured it out. You think you know how to be a critical thinker, but actually, you don't. There are still, as you say, holes in your your skeptical education that could be filled. Yeah, of course. I mean, humility is a is a core tenet of a true skeptic. You know, especially you know for for me when I think about the fact that you know I have a podcast with a, an audience that listens. You know, I have to be humble because first of all, I'm talking to a large audience, and you know, what am I? If I came off like I knew what I was talking about every time I opened my mouth, I would very quickly embarrass myself. You know, I, I make yeah. sure that when I talk in front of the audience that I'm researching as best I can in the time that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, but even still, you know, we make mistakes. We have to go back in and, you know, tell people, hey, you know, we have a clarification or we are a correction, that type of thing. You know, and the humility, this, this goes back to uh, Phil Plate giving the don't be a dick speech, which blew a lot of feathers around, right? Absolutely. Yes. I, I really believe in the don't be a dick idea because, you know, first of all, I never won anybody over by trying to bash critical thinking into their head. You know, I might have made a few people laugh, embarrassing other people when I was younger, but, you know, it didn't work. You know, in the end, you know what worked? Seeing that person a bunch of times and slowly talking to them and continuing to have a conversation that wasn't offensive. That that works. Yeah, yeah I couldn't agree more. I, I actually, in, on QED, which we will talk about in a second, 
last year I actually gave a short talk at Skeptic Camp called Don't Be a Dick. And I I just, on this theme at all. So, yep. yeah, I, I fully agree. So, good. speaking about QED and the book, the book will be out early October, which means it will be there when we will see you and the rest of the SGU gang at QED. So That's right. right. That yeah. is correct. Yeah, so we are talking to our publisher now. Um, you know, there is a UK version of the book because the, the American version, you know, there's different spelling and I guess turns of phrase that they, they want to edit um, to make it more agreeable to the audience. So we are, of course, going to try to arrive with, you know, a lot of books so people can buy them there. And also we'll be signing the book at QED uh, at any event or any time that we're there. If anybody wants us to sign it, we'll be happy to do it. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you will. Do. I will bring my copy. Yeah, so, <laughs> good. Uh, and, and everybody's coming. The whole cast of SGU is coming to QED, right? Yep, that's right. All five of us and George Robb. Yeah. Uh, George Robb has been kind enough to let us use his music on this uh, podcast. So, uh, And I've uh, uh, talked to him once, which you may remember, actually. You were here in Sweden we were at the pub. Yes, and we talked I called about George. This, yeah, I called and you him. called George. Yeah. And I was so embarrassed, and I was also had had a couple of drinks, so yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah. I don't know what I said. I actually sent him an apology <laughs> the day after. For oh being no, I remember. It was, it was very funny. Yeah, that. Well, I'm friends with George. You know, I mean, we, George course. and I are actually very close. He's like we consider him a family member. So, you know, it's not uncommon for me to call George at odd hours and ask weird questions. So that was nothing. Yeah. So don't yeah. worry about it. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure. I'm sure. So so you will do some uh, extra things just before and during QED as well. Uh, you will do these the the extravaganza together with uh, George Rob. Can, can you tell me what what that is? Yeah, sure. So we um I'm trying to remember exactly how did, where did the idea come from, but we we wanted to develop some type of extracurricular activity that we could do at conferences because you know we we have a lot of different things. When TAM was happening, we our plate was like so full. We had the SGU dinner, you had the private show, the main stage show, we had the uh, the poker night, you know, the SGU poker night. There was just all these different things that we were planning, and when TAM went away. I was talking to Steve and George saying, I wish that we had something else that we can do because, you know, we can't play poker in, you know, if we at Nexus or what any mm-hmm. other, you know, most of the other conferences, um, as much as fun as that was. So Steve, George and I cooked up the idea of the extravaganza. We wanted to make a uh, like a, it's very much based on improvisation, you know, like comedic improvisation. So there's different bits your routines that that typically you'll see people do when you go to an improv. And we wanted to make a science and critical thinking version of that. So everything has, you know, a science or science fiction or critical thinking backbone to it. Uh, and, you know, we came up with, I don't know, 30 to 40 different skits mm-hmm. that uh, originally. And then, of course, we had to pare that down. And George had to, uh, you know, of course, he had to think about the whole thing through the lens of him emceeing it. Like, how do we want the show to run? How quick do we want it? You know, what are the beats going to be like? How long should it be? You know, are we going to, you know, what what kind of mood do we want to create? And we've been honing this show. We've we've run it several times. I think, you know, six, seven, eight times at this point or more. And we keep editing it and we've replaced some bits and come up with, you know, new ones to replace and test them out and see how they go. And we're finally getting it to the point where I feel like it's ready for prime time. Yeah. So we're very excited. You know, we haven't done it uh, in over a year. So we're really excited to do it. We came up with a lot of new stuff. 
and again, it's also mixed in there is a lot of the, our favorite bits that we've done many times in the past. One of my favorites is uh, this bit called freeze frame, where one person goes off stage and they wear earphones and they can't hear what we're saying. And George will say, okay, guys, you have to, like, a, you know, two, the movie 2001, A Space Odyssey, you have to arrange yourself to make the person who has the earphones on know what movie it is, but yeah, you're, yeah. you're frozen, right? So you're just, you know, we have to figure out, all right, you're going to stand there like the monolith and these three guys are going to be the apes, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then the person comes out, they take the earphones off and, they, and they've got 60 seconds to name the movie. Yeah. And it's so much fun because the audience is in on it because they know what movie it is. So they're they're more in on it than the person coming out from the backstage. The only poor guy who doesn't know is the yeah. guy who comes out from backstage, yeah. And there was one time we did it where Bob failed so miserably. It was Shawshank Redemption and we just but we bust on him about this all the time. He could not figure it out and George <laughs> George kept dropping him hints, these big hints like you know you, you know Bob if you figure this one out, you're going to really have redemption here. You're like, he's saying the name of the movie yeah. to him and he's it's only the, click. It's only the most <laughs> famous movie of all time. So, I know, yeah. right? So, <laughs> so we have a lot of fun doing it and the, there's, there's audience participation. We have people come up on the stage and then when this one bit that we do, you probably heard this, but we do a trivia contest where it's the SGU against everybody as individuals in the audience. Mm. So we work collectively to come up with the answers and everyone out there. Now, you know, we've, we've done this show for 50 people. We've done it for 350 people. And we've only lost once, according to Steve. I don't remember losing. I think my brain deleted that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. So, so the extravaganza, that's, that's on Thursday. That's actually not part of QED proper in a way. It's a ticketed separate event on the Thursday, if I'm right. Yeah, yeah, we did that. Um, you know, I told Andy that we needed to do it because it's so unbelievably expensive to get us all out there hmm. and to do everything that we need to do. So, you know, we discussed it and he was totally fine with us having an, an extra event that came before. And it really is, you know, most people should be already in town by, by Thursday anyway. That's what we were hoping for. Yep, I will. I will be there. <laughs> oh, you're great. I, awesome. Awesome. I, I have my wait. ticket. Good. So so that's that. And then the following day on the Friday, that's also actually before the, the QED starts, then you have the private recording. So what's that? Yeah, so we do a private recording pretty much every time we go somewhere. We, um, it's very different when you're in the private recording because we usually have between you know, 30 and 40 people in there. And we talk much more off the cuff. Mm-hmm. And you will hear a good 30% that never makes it into the the show that the rest of the world gets to hear because it's too everything. It's too crude. It's too personal. It's too ridiculous, whatever. Like, cause we're, we're usually these go late, you know, we're, it could be 11 o'clock at night and we're really punchy and just saying whatever comes to mind. And we're <laughs> just having as Great. much fun as we can. Then if we cover news items, it's a lot light on the news items and it's much more about free talking and just having fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, QED starts on the Saturday, and that's Saturday the 13th of October for people who don't know. So what will you do during the actual conference? So Steve's giving a talk. Mm-hmm. I believe Kara is going to be hosting a panel. I'll be doing a – I think I'm on a panel discussion as well. And then, of course, we're going to be doing the main stage podcast, like the, you know, the real Ready for Primetime podcast. Yeah. Okay, good. So and you will be um, – I. I you are prepared, I hope. I'm, if not, I'm telling you now that in QD, every, even, you know, the famous guys are supposed to, to mix and be at the bar and, and you know, uh, mingle with everybody. There's no green room. 
Spoiler. Oh, gotcha. Okay, well, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I, <laughs> great. I, yeah, especially you know, there's a lot of people that I've become friends with that I don't get to see often. Like the last time I saw you was you know two years ago. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to seeing a lot of these people that I've come to know that I've never got to meet before or, or old friends that I haven't seen in a long time. And also, you know, there's there's going to be a ton of people that I've never met that listen to the show that, that want to meet us and talk. And I, I love that. I, I absolutely love listening to everybody's stories and meeting new listeners. It's great. Yeah, that's, that's great. And if you're in the UK and you, for some reason, can't make it to QED, there's still other ways of seeing you, isn't it? That you, you're planning other events while you're over in the UK. Yeah, we'll be going to uh, Edinburgh. And that's, I've, I've been corrected on my pronunciation on that. It's, it's, if you say it like it's spelled, it's Edinburgh. Yeah. Or yeah. E- Edinburgh. Ne- yeah. You never do that. You never do yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So <laughs> I was told, yeah, it's usually not what it, you think it is. Um, so anyway, we're going to go there. Uh, we'll be leaving Monday uh, after, after QED. We'll be driving up there and then we will be giving some type of, some type of talk. We're still arranging everything with them. I think they're still looking for a place to, to have it. Huh? So we'll be available Monday and Tuesday night. No, no, the Edinburgh skeptics are, they are great. They have just, uh, do you realize they have, there's something called the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which is basically all of August. And it's a lot of things happening. And during that time, it's just finished, I think, today or the day before. During this time, uh, the Edinburgh skeptics had put up 23 skeptics in the pub consecutively every day. Free events with a different speaker every day. Wow, they, they are that's, amazing. They are that's amazing. a ton of work. I, I yeah, don't know how to do it. And Richard Wiseman mm-hmm. calls that his home, right? So he's there. I'm looking forward to seeing Richard. And um, I know we'll end up doing something with Richard. It's very unpredictable, but we'll end up doing something fun with him. I can predict right now that Richard would at at some point he would produce a a chicken out of a, a napkin. That that's that's a, <laughs> that's a tradition. He must do oh, okay. that. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Uh, all right. Um, okay, so you've been practicing your British accent for the trip, all right? Quite we... right, sir. Quite uh, right. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I wanted to hear. Some, some, <laughs> some parts of that. <laughs> what, what is that? That's always something you say on the show that, well, Jay, he does all of these amazing accents. Is that just uh, pulling your leg or trying to, to psych you or is that something you try to do? No, I mean, I, first off, let's let's define your use of the word amazing. I love I, I love accents. I love accents. I you know, I just to me they're so different and they they are very I don't know how do you say this? Like every accent to me is a a different painting. There's a different vibe about it and you get a mm-hmm. different kind of personality. And in the UK, there are so many unbelievably awesome accents. You know, like you think of the Beatles in Liverpool, or you think mm-hmm. of you know you know the 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 real grit of the London accent, you know the the you know it's like the street gang type of uh, vibe to it. There's something for everyone there. Um, so I've been dying to go to London my whole life, um, and I, I just can't wait to go and hear hear the accents for real. And of course, I'm doing like much more of like a TV or Hollywood version of everything I hear. You know, like I'm not yes. a professional voice actor. I've done a little bit of voice acting, and I, I I'm pretty good in a very small wheelhouse. But I love doing accents. We we joke and talk in accents all the time. Yeah. So yeah, it's a hobby of mine. I just love to do it. So yeah, I I was telling Steve, I'm actually going to record at least one chapter of the book with a whole bunch of different accents. <laughs> great, great. And this yeah. is this is going to be your first time in the UK, is it? That's right. Yeah. 
Oh, okay, good. I've flown over it many times coming to see you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. So I understand also that you have ambitious plans for the future in the SGU in general. You're trying to get to a point where you can actually quit your day job and become fully employed by the SGU. And uh, so how's that going? And what do you plan to do when you have that possibility? Well, it's, it's actually going very well. So I can check right now and we'll see how many patrons do we have. Um, so at 3,000 patrons, we're going to hire me full time. And we're very close. We're over 2,500 right now. So wow. we're, we're less than 500 people away. And, you know, I can't tell you, Pontus, how this is a life changer for me. This is something I've been wanting to do for a very long time. And in fact, it would have happened many years ago if we didn't get involved with the lawsuit. Ah. Uh, because the lawsuit took 100% of our, you know, it, it took all of our money for a very long time. We we literally, I think it was three months ago, was the first month that we didn't pay our lawyer in four and a half years. Wow. Yep. Wow. So the lawsuit ended. We got a portion of our money back. And um, I couldn't be happier that that everything went the way that it did. Of course, I would have preferred if it, none of it happened because no matter what, there was a ton of stress and we lost a lot of money that we will not recoup from the lawsuit. But, you know, in the end, I think it was a great lesson for us and a great lesson for a lot of other people um, that are in the community and a lot of other people that might consider suing us because they learned that, you know, we have the means to do this, which is great. But if we didn't spend that money, I, the company would have had enough money to hire me years ago. Yeah. Okay. So that's why this year was the golden year. And when it finally does happen where I'm I'm dedicating 100% of my time to the SGU, you know, I I just said this on the most recent show. I'm I'm going to, going to be focusing on first I need the SGU from a management perspective. I have to really write the whole way we're going to manage things moving forward. Meaning I've already done this, but I mean I have to treat it like a business because you know we have money coming in and that money needs to be spent and it has to be spent as best as we can to get the things done that we want to do. You know, it's not just going to pay salaries. And that's fine as a matter of fact. I mean, if it really only paid salaries, if you know imagine if me and Steve were working full time, you know, we would get so much done. We'd be able to pr- even get to the point where we're producing brand new shows of different content. We could focus on different kinds of content and things like that. But my high hopes for the SGU are going to be that when we do finally increase our income enough that we could start doing, you know, boots on the ground type of advocacy for critical thinking. And the best way I, th- I can think about doing that beyond educating people, which the podcast does and, and draws people in. And we, we have a community. But the best way to do it, I think, would be to petition government. And, yeah. you know, the, the, the quote-unquote bad guys are doing it. You know, the anti-autism you know anti autism and, uh, you know, the, all the, the BS medications and, you know, vitamins and all that crap out there. They spend billions of dollars or they're making billions of dollars and they're probably spending tens of millions of dollars acting as lobbyists in the government. Yeah. You don't really hear about people saying, hey, we want, you know, the government to to learn more about critical thinking and, and to learn specifically about why they shouldn't say okay to X, Y, and Z. And, you know, this is a goal that we have in multiple places. You know, SBM, Science Based Medicine, which is owned by the NES. Um, it's not a property of SGU, but it is, you know, still Steve, you know, dedicates an enormous amount of his time to that. We, we are also trying to raise money on that end to do the same thing. But SBM is going to focus more on medical claims. Yeah. And I think 
at the SGU would focus on you know a variety pack of other things, or you know we could target specific things that have to do with education, and you know maybe maybe hitting on some other companies or, or practices that we don't think are that don't fit into the SBM wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, but it's going to start at this very low level, which is going to be my full time hours. Yeah. Great. I hope that in a short amount of time, you know, we we still continue to grow our audience, grow our membership, and I'll be able to, I'm hoping within a year, get on the podcast and say, okay, you know, we're ready to start spending money on things that could change the world. Yeah. And I'm glad you're you're mentioning lobbying uh, and going into politics. I I know that Andras, my uh, fellow co-host here who couldn't be here today, He's talking about that all the time. We we should do it, and we have a possibility in the in Europe to lobby the EU because a lot of policies, like for about GMO vaccinations, what drugs to be permitted and stuff in in Europe is is decided in Brussels at mm-hmm. EU, and we are doing a terrible job as skeptics to to influence that. But of course, everybody else, you know, the uh, sorry, the pseudo. Pseudoscientists? Not scientists. That's giving them too much credit. Yeah, yes. Uh, <laughs> pse- pseudo-intellectuals? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All, all, everybody who's want to, who wants to sell anything, you know, scams like homeopathy and stuff, they are lobbying EU yeah. all the time. And we see it in, in, in decisions coming out. So fully with well, you there. Maybe we could do something coordinated, you know? Yeah. That, that, that could be one of our... We could t- at least talk about it, you know? And the thing sure. is... All of this stuff costs a lot of money. Yeah. You know, somebody or a group of people have to get paid to put their time in that, you know, they might not necessarily even care about what they're lobbying for or against, but mm-hmm. it's the, but it's the fact that they have access yeah. that you're paying for. And that's really important. And, you know, right now we're not ready, but we're going to be looking into it hopefully in the near future. And then maybe one day we will, we'll see the needle move. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully. Okay, back to the SGU uh, as a show. You've been doing this since 2005, is that right? Yeah, 13 years. Wow. So when will you quit? Yeah, so what <laughs> I remember um I don't what was this? Maybe a year or two ago we were we were talking and I think we said something like, "Hey, let I said to everyone, let's commit for another 5 years." You know, let's just say yeah. not saying that's only going to be 5 years, but let's let's at least let's say 5 that, years. At least 5 years. And then Steve and I were talking and I remember at the end of the conversation, we both just agreed, we're probably going to end up just doing this for the rest of our lives. Good. <laughs> That's what I want to hear. Yeah. I mean, we love doing it, even though sometimes it's painful and the, the amount of work can get overwhelming. But, the, you know, it, there's something magical about it to us, you know, to use the word as loosely as possible. There's something very special about the work that we do for the SGU and the relationships that we have here, that we've made I don't want to like one day say, "Hey, I'm not doing that anymore," and you know, and, and stop going to conferences and stop meeting people. It's it's been one of the best experiences of my life, and you know, there's no reason for me to ever stop. You know, Randy didn't really stop. You know, Randy right did it almost his entire adult life. Yeah, and it's become it's part of what of who you are by now, isn't it? Yeah, it's funny. You know, I look around my office, and I'm, you know, my office is a collection of science fiction and science. Yeah. And it's I've I've always loved the two of them my whole life. But when when the podcast happened, you know th- those two things became even more important to me. And you know, and it just continues to happen. You know, I was just teaching my son 
you know, we're talking about, we've been talking about the planets in our solar system for a couple of years, but, you know, he's five now, he's, you know, five and a half going on six pretty soon. And he's starting to ask more intellectual questions. And I got to tell you how I have so much fun reading books that are targeted to kids that give that next layer of information. You know, we're not talking about like things that he can't comprehend, but the, even at that level, I, I read these books with him and I'm enjoying them as if it's the first time I've ever heard the information. Um, so there's just so much out there. You know, I just yeah. I just love learning about new things. Just, you know, I think most of us were fans of science in some fashion or another, and that, that's a big hook for all of us. And th- there's something special about science, and it, yeah. I never get tired of it. I never get tired of reading the latest news items and, you know, seeing new inventions come out and you know, thinking about what it's going to be like in 20 years. Yeah. Speaking of science for children, do you think there is enough of that? Or or is that something that's lacking, you know, science books for children? Well, there's different kinds of science books. So I would say that first, you know, science books that are in the classroom, a lot of them I think are lacking. They don't have the latest and greatest information. They might have misinformation. But I think a lot of it boils down to the, the teacher. A teacher can take a um, a mediocre science book and and make the overall experience of the class a million times better just by them being enthusiastic about it and bringing in their own information and, and other resources. Um, but overall, yeah, I would say yeah. I mean, I, I'd have to say yes. I think that you know we need, I think, a more consistent infusion of science for children. I think you know more programming on on doesn't necessarily have to be on TV, but, you know, more programming on YouTube, things like that. Um, and I'd like to see it being more upfront in schools. My uh, my son's starting kindergarten in, you know, two days, and we had to go into the school last week. And I was really happy to see, I mean, the hallways were painted with animals and dinosaurs and things like that. I was very enthusiastic about that, you know, because I'm walking down the hall with him and he's already asking me, what's that? What's that? You know, so kind of piquing his curiosity. There might be, you know, some people might disagree. I I guess what I'm saying is there should be, science should be very common and it should be something that kids are comfortable with. And it should be a topic that comes up daily. You know, they need to know, look, all the knowledge that we have has has been hard-earned. And it's very difficult to get it. And we should respect it that we have so much today. You know, I, I try to make my, my son, my daughter's too young for this, but I want my son to look at science like it's a, it's a noble practice and it's something that deserves an extraordinary level of respect. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. I, I think, you know, the, the, the way that science has come down generation after generation, it's taken, it's taken a long, long time, but... I think that's really what separates us from the other animals that we can learn from others uh, who sometimes lived like 2000 years ago and they made discoveries that we still benefit from today. It's it I I sometimes talk in in uh, at schools about skepticism and I'm telling them that no matter how smart you are none of you would ever invent the iPhone or whatever because it takes another human being to build that brick by brick over time and that's why we for good or bad uh, have come so far as, as as animals totally agree i mean we're all standing on the shoulders of all the giants that came before us i mean yeah you know it's funny to think you know have someone you know th- there's so many scientists that were incredibly impactful but you know you have people that that were coming up with the core of our current knowledge you know just what if that person X, Y, or Z was never born? 
Yeah. How, how many more years would it have taken for us to get there or would we have gotten there? Yeah. And, you know, how many, how many kids would have become scientists if they were encouraged to where the world would be even a better place today because of it? You know, it's kind of boggling to think about stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know, all I can do is influence the little sphere that I have, you know, with my kids. I just want them to, you know, I want them to be humble and I want them to, to love and respect science because it's brought me so much joy in my life. Yeah. All right. So uh, thank you. I, 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 we've been talking for a while now. I, I don't want to keep you too long. Assuming that there's two and a half person listening to this podcast who's never listened to the SGU, where would they go <laughs> to find out more? You could go to theskepticsguide.org or you can go to facebook.com forward slash theskepticsguide uh, where we post news items and anything of interest that we find. Great. And um, it, it's been like 600 and something episodes so far. We're somewhere in the 670s, I think, right now. 670. Yeah, okay, 670, good. 680. Yeah, 680 something. Um, and Pontus, I'm looking forward to seeing you at QED. We're going to have to spend some time and have a chit chat. We'll be great. We'll be great. Uh, we'll be having a blast. I always have a blast on QED, but I'm especially looking forward to this one. So Awesome. Great. Okay. Thanks a lot, Jay Novella. Thanks My a lot. pleasure, sir. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. So, that's that, boys and girls. I know that you're... You know, either you already have your ticket for QED, or you wish you did. I, I believe the tickets are now sold out, uh, which is unfortunate. Well, it's fortunate for the people arranging it, the, the Merseyside skeptics and the Greater Manchester skeptics. It's too bad for you who, who, who missed it this year. I'm sure that we, we will have, uh, you know, we will have our microphones there. We will record everything we, we can see and we will uh, continue to cover what's happening before and after, etc. But for the ones of you who are going, uh, it'll be a very special conference indeed, partly due to, to the Skeptics Guide, of course, and to you, George Robb. But also because QED is always fantastic. So before we go, I'd just like to, to remind you, everybody, who where you can find and reach us. It's at theesp.eu, where you can find our fantastic events page. You click on events in Europe and you can see everything that's going on, including QED, of course, but also a lot of other things. So every local skeptic in the pub that we can hear about we put in there so you can you know what's going on uh you can also of course like us on facebook we have a facebook page you can contact us there you can contact us on the contact form on the web page or you can send an email to info at the esp.eu and you can follow us on twitter at espodcast underscore eu and uh, I think that's all. And, uh, you know, if you, that doesn't work, try telepathy or something. We know when you think about us. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, everything for this uh, week. Uh, see you again next week. And hopefully we'll see how many uh, co-hosts I have with me uh, next week. But um, until then, goodbye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. 
Join us again next time. But until then, please send your feedback, comments, or death threats to info at theesp.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe yeah, Let me see if you could... We still have a good connection if I turn my camera on. Hold on. Yeah. If I, hey, there you are. And good. there I am. Yes, a bit blurry from this end, but uh, is that where you normally record the STU? Yeah, this is my office. Yeah, good. I, I have all sorts of amazing things in this office. I have my communicator. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> but this Great. is my... This is my, uh, my your, your lair. This is right? my lair. Yeah, I've got all my blasters over here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, maybe we can fit in some noises at the end here. Okay. <laughs> Hello, I'm Jay Novella, and you're listening to the European Skeptics Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>